What if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. How many of you have studied mimetic desire? So how many of you know what mirror neurons are? Cool. You want me to go through it? Okay. Mirror neurons are the... The things inside of, uh, they, really, they're fantastically useful with children because you learn how to, like when, when you look at a, a child and you make a face, they make the same face back. They're learning through mirroring other people. This never stops. It goes on for the rest of our lives. And so we mirror the, the behaviors, we mirror the, the, the faces, we mirror the feelings, this is big. Mirror neurons go beyond just like what are your eyes doing? We mirror the feelings, but mimetic desire takes it a step further. And mimetic desire says we don't only mirror the states, the feelings, the looks, the behaviors. We mirror the desires. So desires is way different because when you mirror a desire, you're actually mirroring something that is quantum. It doesn't exist. You smile, I smile. It exists. The smile exists. Is this too deep? We good. Okay. If, if you feel sad, I feel sad. It exists, right? If you want a mimosa, hint, hint, <laughs> wink, wink, you want something, but it does not exist. And then I decide I want that thing which is happening to Gabrielle right now. She also wants a mimosa. <laughs> and mimetic desire is the mirroring of something that is actually not in existence yet. So when we actually break into, like there's a really good book called Wanting. So let me, let me just give you, let me give you an example real fast. And we'll, we'll go through mimetic desire um, as a, just a baseline for mastering some of these, some of these things. Let's say that you go to a bar and uh, you're going to order a beer. Anybody like beer? Cool. Brady's going to order a beer. But I order a martini instead. Now Brady wants a martini because I ordered a martini. He now wants the same thing that I want. Old school Newtonian science would say that that I merely re revealed a subconscious desire that Brady already had. Okay, they would be like, "Oh, it's just he wanted. He actually wanted a martini. He just didn't know that he wanted a martini." Mimetic desire says, "No, actually, I created the desire that he has, which is is harmless. A martini versus a beer is not really uh, a big deal." But then I tell Brady that I just got promoted and I got a $20,000 a year raise. And he smiles, and he's like, oh, that's awesome. And internally, he starts thinking, well, we both went to the same college, and we both started at the same time, and I'm happy for you, but why didn't I get a raise? And all of a sudden, he starts wanting something that he had no desire for before drinking that dreadful martini. 
okay? As he asks himself these questions, he becomes feeling something called insecurity because he's afraid that he's going to be physically alone. And so he starts being driven by this need to keep up because if I get promoted and he doesn't, that must mean that he's about to get kicked out of the tribe and starve to death. This is how the brain works. It's just going down a program. I get a Tesla. He decides I'm never getting a Tesla because sometimes, sometimes mimetic desire works in the mirror. As you attempt to keep up with someone, you also attempt to separate yourself from them as a distinction. This is mimetic evolutionary desire. This is what happens with us as a species. So psychologists call this hyper-imitation. Hyper-imitation is how you can drop a human off in the middle of a village and, and within a hundred years, that village is inventing technology and taking over part, like we are hyper-imitation creatures. So you can use this from a quantum level because if you want something, there's a good chance that the people you are talking to are also going to want it. So when you get on the phone with somebody, how many of you help people make money for a living? That's what your industry is. Okay, if somebody gets on the phone and they want a return of 20% and you want a return of 80%, you're reprogramming them without even saying it. Make sense? We'll get tactical in a second. I just like to stay in the clouds for a little bit so we can understand actually what's going on. How many of you know what a TAM is? How many of you know what an ICP is? Okay, cool. We don't even have to cover that. How many of you know what an MQL is? How many of you know what a PQL is? Product qualified lead. All right, we'll circle back. We'll cover that. Um, I'm just making sure I don't miss anything. How many of you know what moral authority is? Oh, sweet. Okay. How many of you know internal versus external pressure? Sweet. All right. We'll, we'll sit there for a second. All right. So mimetic desire. Back to mimetic desire. Whatever you want, other people want as well. This is an interesting question is what, do you, what, what desires that you have are actually your desires? So this will be an interesting question for you to just kind of sit and ponder. Not now, but later. What, what things are you actually driven by? Edward got it. That are yours. Because humans want autonomy, but most of the things that we actually want are from other people. And that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good that the entire thing that you're building right now, you're building because someone else built it. That doesn't feel good, does it? So there is a way to inoculate yourself from this thing called mimetic desire. But we can't remove evolution entirely. What we can do though is we can hack it. Somebody say hack. Somebody say hack job. This will be a hack job. But the good kind. Okay. We're going to take mimetic desire and we're actually going to deploy it in a way that is useful for our own accomplishment and achievement. So if we know that we're going to be copying and modeling, because that's what we do. If you study like Sam Walton or uh, Henry Ford even, these Sam Walton says I was the greatest copycat who ever lived. He would go to these stores and he would just copy. There's no problem with copying. Like people get so pissy and mad and they're like, I invented this. Like, no, you, you didn't actually. You put your name on it. I put my name on the buying pocket, but psychologists created it. Where nobody's copying anything. 
everyone's copying everything. So Sam Walt would go through these stores and he would take what worked and he would bring them back. He's a great person for you to study, especially when we get into tomorrow's session about anti-fragility. Because if you think your life is hard now, you're just full of shit. Like your life ain't that hard. These guys went through the most extraordinary problems like in history. Sam Walton at one point had 11 stores and was booming and was like ready to grow. He started taking out debt. He had four kids. And one day the landlord realizes how much money he's making and refuses to renew the lease. So Sam has to figure out how to find a replacement for 11 stores in 60 days. And he can't, he can't find any stores. So he's got all this merchandise in these stores. He can't find another place to have the stores. He's got four kids. For the first time in a long time, he's like, I don't actually know how we're going to afford food and keep the stores. So he fire sales the stores and the merchandise to the landlord. This is real shit. And we complain about CPAs and lead costs. Like we are the weakest of all time if we can't tap into history and look at where people have come from and what actually took place to get here, I'm getting distracted, copycats. Everyone is copying everyone else, right? We know mimetic desire is a thing. And so what we wanna do is we wanna deploy mimetic desire and I'm gonna teach you influence in these three levels because everything you do to influence other people starts with influencing yourself. Some of y'all are, are used to the quizzing, some of you are not. We wanna start with internal influence. So how do we inoculate ourselves against the mimetic whims of society and civilization? Is we give ourselves a worthy model. It sounds real simple. But who has some examples of worthy models? If you're an OG client, be quiet because you, you're going to cheat. Worthy models, who would they be? People say like Elon Musk, Taylor Welch. What does your mind do? You, you think to who has done what I'm trying to do, right? Isn't that the normal question? Who has done what I'm trying to do? Who has done something bigger than what I want to do? These are Newtonian questions. These are not going to give you the ability to harness mimetic desire. There's only one person who is a worthy model, and it's the version of yourself 10, 15, 20 years into the future who has achieved everything that you're trying to achieve right now. That's the only worthy model that we actually have to anchor around. Because all other forms of mimetic desire leave us reactive. True? So reactivity is not the state of of growth and all of the business owners in the room know it because when you wake up putting out a fire putting out this fire you can't build anything you're just constantly just being swung back and forth between different objects so the the object of mimetic desire for us has to be programmed in such a way that it is ourselves from a future state make sense so we'll talk about how do we do that unless you already know, then I'll skip it. You tell me. 
You know, like actually tell me. <laughs> I just need a mimosa. That's really all I. <laughs> All right, quick exercise. Let's do this real fast. No notes, just think about it. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and close our eyes so we can actually get into state for a second. We're gonna do a quick exercise and then we'll be back. So we're in London, beautiful city, tons of history, and we're with our favorite people, Taylor's team. And let's imagine for a second that this is actually the second time that we've been here for this exact event in this exact location with the exact same people. We've been given a, a, a time machine, a magical opportunity, because at one point in the past, we were here for this exact event and we did not maximize it. We didn't maximize it. And we got the opportunity to come back and relive it and maximize it so that we can correct the way that we treated it the first time. The first time we weren't present, we did not participate in it, we didn't enjoy every moment of it, and we regret how we handled the first one. So we got to come back and relive the exact same moment in the exact same location, but we got to do it perfectly. What would you do to live it perfectly, to maximize the moments and the memories? How would you treat it? How would you show up? What questions would you ask? What people would you see? What people would you avoid? You've gotten an opportunity to fix the experience. All right, now open your eyes. When you do this with your entire life, you are able to actually create a perfect experience in everything you do. This exercise comes from Viktor Frankl, who survived six years of concentration camps. He said, if you can picture your entire life as if it's your second go, the first round, you made every mistake possible. And you're getting a a magical opportunity to go back and relive it. And this second time, you get to relive it with the knowledge of everything you did wrong the first time. How would you live it? This is future state living. So every situation that I find myself in, when I'm present, I'm usually going through this exercise of how would I maximize this moment as if it was the second time and I did it wrong the first time. And when you do it, you get this list of things that you would change. And then your, your adherence, somebody say adherence. Adherence is a big deal. Everyone can set goals, but can you adhere to the process of creating those goals? Adherence is really where the second tier of humans struggle. There's 80% of the world that really struggles with creating a perfect vision to begin with. Because there's only two states, there's create and escape, right? And escape, 80% of people live inside of escape. They don't even know what they're trying to create. But then once you get, you guys are all 20%. Nobody in here is bottom. You guys are all creating things, building things, 
But the second, what you struggle with and what I struggle with is actually the adherence of the process of getting from point A to point B. And so this example is, and this exercise is how you create a future state. It's how you create that future state. There's, a, there's all of this science now around the meaning of the present being attached to your future state and your future purpose. So there's, there's a couple scientists that have gone really deep into basically what they call the psychology of meaning, which is like, why do we exist? Viktor Frankl was like, a per, his thing was purpose and meaning. So these psychologists have done deep studies and deep work on why do we exist as humans? I'm telling you, this stuff ties in. If, if, if you want to know why our teams, like I pump them out. Our salespeople can sell anything, like anything. They could sell you right now on something you already bought. And sometimes they do, and we have to refund people. They can sell anything, like anything. We create the best in the entire world. But it's not because I'm teaching them how to say something if someone asks a question. It's this stuff right here. And you can feel it. When you get a team of people who are connected to a future state, they can make it through anything. They don't even feel it. We're not necessarily trying to deal with objections we're trying to prevent them entirely. And this is partially how we do it. So back to these two scientists. They said, present events draw meaning from their connection to future outcomes. Present events draw meaning from their connection to future outcomes. This means it's not, it's not important just to have a future state. You have to be connected to it on the daily to be able to harness its power. Make sense? When you get this and when you've created this effectively, you're actually creating the rules of engagement. So uh, a lot of the objections that normal people have, that normal people have to deal with, we don't have them. We, our guys don't even know what to, what to do with them. Like We don't have tactical responses. We teach them, but we don't really, what if this doesn't work? If somebody asks us, what if this doesn't work? We just look at them and they feel insane. How many of you have been on a call with someone on my team and felt that at the end of a call? Anyone? It, it is quantum. What do you mean if it doesn't work? I don't know. Okay, well, do you do toupee? Sure. It, they, don't, they don't exist. That's why I see these ads and I'm like, man, these guys are just teaching like tactical stuff. But they're not teaching the future state, the identity. And so what we're doing when we get on every single interaction you have with someone else, your whole job, you're just connecting them with the future state.